All right, so questions people ask February 23rd, a topical introduction to apologetics. That sounds like a, you know, a big, <laughs> a lot of big words for a Bible study. Um, we're normally used to that term apolog apologize, like you're saying you're sorry for something. Um, and the, the term apologetics comes from a Greek word that means to make a defense. Uh, so in that sense, sometimes when we apologize, we're making a defense for something. Like you're coming up to a stoplight and you accidentally rear-end the car in front of you. You apologize. You say, I'm sorry. And you say, I didn't see the black ice that made me, <laughs> that made me slip and slide. Um, you're making a defense for why, what happened and why it happened the way it did. Um, so when you talk about apologetics in the Christian, Christian sphere, we're talking about making a defense for the faith. And as Lutheran Christians, um, we have a very, very particular <laughs> approach to this. Um, whereas other Christians who think that faith is your own cognitive decision, they all, they feel that all they have to do is make it look as rational and reasonable as possible. And then you'll make the right decision and become a Christian. Um, biblically that doesn't fly. And so our approach to apologetics is to basically, you know, deal with the question honestly and work toward the cross. Um, I've got a, a diagram that, that I'll be sharing a little bit later. And, um, and I think it's helpful for understanding how that all works. All right. So yeah, I guess um, this was kind of the other bit of intro. We'll, we'll aim for a 45-minute class discussing a variety of questions. Wherever we stop is where we'll begin next week. And um, and I think, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So tonight might be a little bit shorter. Uh, so a purpose and format. The purpose to understand and practice, uh, put put into practice, you know, um, Hopefully, as we so get more participation over the next few weeks, then we are able to verbalize some of these things. Uh, but to practice a Lutheran biblical apologetics and to look at the Word of God for answers to persistent questions, where it's better to ask them and talk about them openly than to just keep them to ourselves or or pastor to just say, well, you know, you just got to believe or have some sort of trite answer that isn't really an answer. Um, because that's not helpful for anybody. So the basic approach that that we want to use, and um, and I kind of laid it out for us, at least for this first question, and hopefully you know with the practice uh, is we'll we'll get it a little bit more. Is understand, appreciate, and confess. Um, UAC, <laughs> which um, I don't know if that's a mental hook for for anybody or anything in particular. But basically, we want to understand the question. We want to um, appreciate that question, where it comes from, and then confess. Um, not to win the debate, but to confess to the truth that there is a there's a distinct purpose there. Um, so understand, and this is just kind of the framework that we'll be working off uh, over the next couple of weeks. Understand, uh, first of all, identify possible emotions behind the question, because you know if somebody's asking about. Um, any any of these questions it's usually coming from an emotional place that they've thought about it or um or it's near and dear to them and secondly um under the topic of understanding um, is understanding definitions for words because the way you and i use these words might be different from the way that other people do and and there has to be some understanding what do we mean when we say fill in the blank um, what do you mean when you say biblical creation? Like that's, that's question number two. 
um, that we'll be taking up next week. Uh, so understanding definitions. And then understand is uh, see the question from the asker's perspective. Um, this is a little bit more you know, challenging, perhaps, and it does require a degree of empathy, um, even if you don't even if you don't agree with it, you don't have to agree with somebody to to be able to see things from their perspective. Um, so that's I guess that's that's the first part. Uh, understand um, emotions and definitions and perspective, and then uh, UAC appreciate is the appreciate the fact that the question was asked, um, especially if if somebody brings a question up to you or if it comes up in discussion, then you got to say, hey, well, thank you. Um, I, I really appreciate that or something like that. And appreciate is also, you know, admit the truth where the question touches on a truth. Um, but the hint there, thankfully, <laughs> this kind of simplifies it, I suppose, is that it's usually a half truth. Um, it's usually not a full and complete truth, um, much like Satan in the Garden of Eden using a half truth. And then finally, so we had understand, appreciate, and confess. Um, respectfully receiving the question, we discuss it in good faith. There's no room for a straw man argument um, to to just construct our simplified version and be able to dismiss that question. And the other idea that we use confess here instead of um, answer or something like that is we're not here for a debate. We're not here to win a debate. I don't I don't care if, you know, if, if we had a debate moderator, I don't care if I lost every single point as long as I confess the truth. Um, because that, that word confess, the same as we use in our confession of faith um, or our confession of sins is just a statement of truth about, about God and about what God sees. So a confession of the faith is kind of the, the angle we're aiming toward. So understand, appreciate, and confess is the framework that we'll be using. And we'll come around to that uh, next week as well and as we go through tonight. Um, and just tossing this out there as a starting point, um, in your experience, is church a place where questions are welcomed? Why or why not? And obviously, you know, thinking about what we just talked about, um, there may be some emotion there. Um, you can maybe define that word church. Do you mean our church or do you mean any church? Um, and feel free to speculate, um, especially on the why or why not. Give you a minute to think about that. And uh, yeah, is church a place where questions are welcomed? Why or why not? All right. What do you think? Yes, my experience, my experience is yes. Good. But I was listening to a book today where they were giving an example of a young man who had been a member at a Baptist church and those questions are not welcomed. And so they mm -hmm. stopped going. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's not uncommon, <laughs> sadly. Um, in, in my experience, you know, pastorally, at least, you know, when we go through Bible instruction class with, with new members, um, I try to say it a couple of times that this is, this is a place and this is a church where you can ask any question and you'll get a 
hopefully get a thorough biblical answer. And pastorally, there's there's no place for me to get all emotional or angry about a question because all that would say is I I don't have confidence in what I'm in what I'm saying, and <laughs> or in what I'm teaching. Um, and and I've encountered people and talked with people, many of whom would kind of fall in that same category where they had attended a church for a while and when that church wasn't able to handle their questions um they ended up giving up and walking away or when the church you know wasn't didn't take their questions seriously you know if somebody in one case somebody volunteered a question in bible class that they had been thinking about for quite some time and it really bugged him and um and the result was that it was kind of handled as a almost like a Sunday school question or a almost in a joking way. <laughs> it didn't take the question seriously. And and it really hurt that person. Um because if if that question isn't answered seriously, then you, what are you really saying about that person and what we value? All right. Anything else? Um why or why not? And should it be? <laughs> yes, is the other aspect. Otherwise, we'll, can you guys yeah. both hear? Yep. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure whether I was in or not or what was happening. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I can hear you now. Okay. Sounds like a Verizon commercial. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> well, I think our church, obviously, I've had pastors since I was a little kid and I think most of our Wells pastors encourage questions and they should, but every question is valid and it depends on what level of faith the person's at and how they're, you know, I don't think anyone asks a question unless they truly are looking for an answer. So it shouldn't be looked at as, you know, and no question is a bad question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's uh, i've said that a couple of times and um and i've second guessed myself when i've had my own questions like i'm sorry this is this is kind of a dumb question <laughs> that that i've prefaced my own questions with sometimes oh. um but but the reality is if somebody's asking it yeah they want they want an actual answer and there's that presupposition of you know goodwill um that you're not here that somebody isn't trying to just pick a fight. Oh, sometimes people do, but there's something else going on then <laughs> in that. And um, and I think I think it is a good thing that our churches are places where questions are welcomed or discussed um, or even proposed, because it's when those when you have those questions that you can really can really see God's grace in a new way and. Uh, have a little bit deeper understanding on a particular topic. Yeah. All right. Uh, so tonight's discussion, I think we're just we're just going to get through uh, number one tonight. Um, and all these questions have come from congregation members or from podcast listeners, and um, and these questions, obviously, no exception. Uh, so number one, it seems like your church takes a dim view of human ability capability and potential why are you so down on people why is god so negative about human potential um mm. and then next week we'll get into how can you believe in a seven-day creation 
And then thirdly, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, do I? <laughs> All right, so that first one, um, why are you so down on people? And you know, we'll talk about that as we kind of go along here. Um, the image on the screen is what's what's referred to in you know, like psychology 101 class as uh, the hierarchy of needs or maslow's hierarchy of needs i believe yep. and at the very bottom you've got um you need food shelter um water warmth <laughs> and then moving your way up if you have those things then you start thinking about your safety and if you and if you're in a safe place then you think about relationships and then if you've got that, then you start thinking about accomplishment. And if you've got all those things um, in this diagram, then you turn your attention more to achieving one's potential and, um, and being the best that you can be at any particular, any particular topic. Um, so this, this concept is very popular in obviously in psychology. And it's also, um, it also crops up a lot in, in church talk and it's very easy to, to kind of get it all, get it confused a little bit, but this is, I guess where it made its biggest entrance and another, another quote, like all the mountains in the background there, um, human potential, though not always apparent is there waiting to be discovered and invited forth. And yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to understanding. Um, so down on people and potential. Number one, it seems like your church takes a dim view of human ability, capability, potential. Why are you so down on people? Why is God so negative? Um, and the understanding, or that understand, appreciate, confess kind of format. What emotions might be behind this question? And what words might need some defining? And then what can we say about this person's perspective on human ability? Yeah, trying to understand. Um, what are some emotions, potential emotions that might be behind this question? You know, not knowing the, the person who's asking it, that makes it a little bit more difficult, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think there's... Um, at least not maybe maybe emotion or maybe you know just that even that person's background because that that whole idea of potential is is throughout our entire you know school system in this country um and it's also it's also very prevalent in you know corporate and business um business writings and books and programs and that sort of a thing um the emotion I guess the other emotion that kind of comes here is if this person walks away from a church or a church service and says, wow, it sounds like God's really down on people. Um, there might be some emotion of guilt or, or if this person just doesn't feel worthy. <laughs> like if that's what they're hearing, even, you know, assuming, assuming that church service talked a lot about Jesus, <laughs> if what they're hearing is, I will never measure up, then that's an emotion that, you know, we should probably investigate a little bit. Why do you feel that way? Is that, is that correct in what I'm hearing? What about that other one? This, this other one, what words might need some defining? And this would, this would, I suppose, construct. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Why are you so down on people? What's that mean, down? And also define potential. Yeah. Because so give me, I'd need an example of what it what what it is they're referring to because I don't, you know, I personally don't have that same mm -hmm. feeling. So definitely. And and I think um I think what might be helpful here is is even something that our you know the, the Lutheran writers back in the 16th century talked about that we have you know potential and ability in in external things in worldly things like um, a person can take up sewing and become an excellent seamstress um, or tailor or whatever the case may be they've got a lot of potential that they can live up to um, but spiritually spiritually we are dead blind enemies of god um so why are you why are you so down on people <laughs> yeah that that's a good one that's a good question to ask well tell me more about that um because i mean and that's that was kind of a straight straight quote from um from the person who had asked me <laughs> i said well all right well I'll use it just like that why are you so down on people why are you so uh my impression was you know beating down on people um not expecting very much out of them perhaps thinking that they that they'll never turn it around maybe and what is this person's perspective on human ability um i think my my best understanding of that was that this that human ability um if spiritual things and and worldly things are kind of mixed you know, and jumbled mess then this person person thinks i i can make accomplishments and i can improve in a worldly sense um i can attain a skill and do better at something in in the in the world then that same should be true spiritually and god is or this person is always hearing um that I never measure up. I confess that I've sinned against you by my own fault, by my own most miserable, terrible fault. And if that's if that's what that person is kind of dealing with internally, I feel like I should be able to to do something to better myself. And all I'm hearing is I can't. <laughs> and I think if you know, we'll, so are they, we'll just kind of yeah. Are they? at themselves as someone who has no faults and no sin <laughs> yeah that what you're saying? <laughs> that's that's definitely one of the one of the you know avenues for discussion um and i actually just pasted in that a verse on that um you know shortly before class i'm like oh we gotta include one more right here so you that's something that you're picking up on already that um you know we're, we're dealing with a standard here if God is negative about something, well, he's, he's loving and gracious, but he's also holy and just. So does this person have a different opinion than God? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a major question. Um, down on people and potential appreciate, uh, we talked about understand, appreciate, confess. So appreciate, restate the question in your own words and identify the truth or half truths. Oh boy. I think you could say, I think, you know, um, you know, I can, I can see where you might think that because, you know, on our own, we can't get to heaven. So we really don't have a lot of potential in that way, but that's from a spiritual way. But 
that's not saying that we have none in a worldly way. Mm -hmm. And um, thankfully, we don't have to depend on ourselves. I think I'd go with that route. In stating the truth or half truth, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a really good that's a really good way to approach that, um, and I think there's you know one or two other ways that that a person might go with it, um, but that was a good way of admitting you know there is some truth to what you're saying, that people do have potential on the one hand, people do have ability, but on the other hand that does not hold water, in a spiritual sense, that our abilities in a spiritual sense are not the same as our abilities in a worldly sense. So making them know there's a, a definitive difference in the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that would be a, that'd be a good, um, good example. And I think another, another one, um, you know, restate the question in your own words and identify the truth or the half truths, um, the half truths, are probably so, you know, in the first two sentences, first sentence, your church takes a dim view of human ability, capability, and potential. Um, and it, we touched on that one already that, yeah, we do. <laughs> we, we take a, a completely black, you know, no light. It's not just a dim view. It's a total blackout view of human ability in spiritual matters. Um, so that's that's the half truth and then in that second sentence why are you so down on people um you can almost flip that one around that the church of all places is the most is the most up on people (laughs) and obviously you gotta you know understand what your connotation of down and up is um but the church of all places the christian church is the most up on people because nowhere else does god take on humanity and nowhere else does the creator die for his creation every other religion in the world um is a is a religion that tells you to do something and if that's the the idea of being up on people you know having a having a high view of human potential giving them a list of rules and expecting them to live up to it then there's no you know go find whatever religion you want but I think, you know, from my perspective, the most religion that is most, <laughs> thinks most highly of people is the one where the Son of God himself became a person and still is. Um, so maybe that's another, that's another half-truth. Um, and why is God so, and then that third one, third sentence, why is God so negative about human potential? Um, that one almost answers itself, you know, even from an external sense. You could say, well... God's been watching people for a long time and he's still waiting for them to create the perfect society. Um, and that, that, that might, that would easily Are least, we going to create yeah. a perfect society? Are we ever gonna? No. <laughs> Are I we know. trying to? And you said he's waiting for us to do it. Are we, <laughs> yeah. do we have the potential to do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't. Um, and, and part of me, um, you know, I'd have to be really careful about even addressing that third sentence. Why is God so negative? Because I would just get cynical and that doesn't, that's not helpful. No, um, that's <laughs> but on the other hand, um, there, there are churches who, who think that it's our job to achieve 
fill in the blank, um, achieve any sort of, you know, justice, whether it's social justice, whether it's income justice, whether it's racial justice, um, there, there are all sorts of false ideas that are very extremely prevalent in American Christianity, um, because American Christianity panders to the consumer, it seems, a lot more than in many other places of the world. And so if there's a market, there's a Christian church that will that will fit that market, so to speak. Sure. And so if somebody is coming from the idea that um that this is their background, well, time for a wake up call and um and we'll get to that, but hopefully not in the first conversation. All right. So then we talked about understand, appreciate, and confess. Formulated an answer that uses at least one Bible teaching. Julie, I think you had had one already um, where you talked about, you know, do you think people can actually be holy? <laughs> Whoa. And that, that, gets to the, that gets to the core of the matter on this question is if people, if you're saying that people have the ability or that God should talk more optimistically about us, then there's also the consequence that God believes in you. <laughs> I, have actually, I actually have seen that on a, on a church sign near my house here. God believes in you. God and believes in you? Yeah. <laughs> Not you, you should believe in God? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's it's upside down, and it, yeah. it it's right in line with this question, um, because you know you've got the potential and you can do it. Um, you rah rah, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know there's there's the answer of, you know, formulated answer. It uses at least one Bible teaching. Um, you could talk about talk about original sin, and that spiritually we have no ability. Um, maybe you could even ask the question, do you think, um, are you, are you thinking that, you know, we're going to be holy and be perfect or, you know, what, what's your understanding of what God expects out of us? Does he, does he expect us like do our best and God will do the rest. And, uh, this grandfatherly figure who will pat us on the head and give us a gold star when we, when we do did our best, like, Oh boy. Yeah. We'll touch on some of those. I think I have a I have a diagram coming up shortly. Actually, yeah, this next page. And if it looks like I um I scribbled this on with a sharpie on a piece of white paper and then took a picture of it, that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And um and and it's it's not too often that I'm proud of my oops that I'm proud of my artwork. Um, the artwork here isn't exactly spectacular, but I like the concept because at least it, it, it helps for, for my me mental hook. And if it works for anybody else, fantastic. Um, if we will start at the center and the, the center of, of the Bible is this teaching of justification that through Jesus Christ, um, his righteousness has been given to us that we can stand, we stand before God justified that is our sin has been forgiven that is bookended on the left and the right that's that next circle out um, bookended by original sin and the means of grace m-o-g uh, means of grace and so biblically 
um, the way I see it at least, is if you are going to have this scriptural truth of justification, that you have been saved by grace through faith and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you're going to have that, then you have to have on the one side, the proper understanding of original sin, that you cannot by your own thinking or choosing move toward God or decide to come to God or believe in him. Um, and on the other side, the idea that goes along with that is the means of grace that the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel and enlightened you um, and brought you to faith through his own tools. And, and so then the, the next circle out, um, the top half is, you know, generally a practical life question. And then the, the bottom half is like a doctrinal Bible question. Um, and the way, the way it works then, look at this. <laughs> We've got an animation. <laughs> and so, you know, to, you could come at it from this practical life question, whatever it happens to be, such as, such as tonight, um, that you've, you have a, God has a dim view of human potential, um, or maybe that's a doctrinal Bible question. I'm not even sure. Um, but it's going to either go through original sin or go through the means of grace, um, toward that central teaching of justification. And obviously, and you could, you could flip this around. Maybe you start a justification and work your way out. Um, that's, that's often. You're saying during like, the question, you go through one of those to get to the heart of the answer of the question. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're either, you're, um, if you're dealing with the question very often, you'll be starting in that outer ring and then you'll go through either means of grace or original sin and wind up at justification. Okay. Um, or often what I'll what I end up doing, at least in the second half of the sermon, is into that justification part and working my way back out. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, starting opening the sermon with, with a question, whether doctrinal or practical, and then working through that law and gospel and then working your way back out. Um, yeah. I think it, it might be helpful if, if it helps somebody just a little bit, um, fantastic. And if it doesn't, well, <laughs> that's all right. It was like five minutes of scribbling. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, the image is going to be in the show notes. You can just check the show notes and you'll find it there complete with, um, well, <laughs> I sent it to pastor Zarling who also, um, participates and cooperates on the podcast with me. And he's like, um, so you want me to make this look good, like a circle that looks like a circle? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it, it would have been a good circle, but our six-year-old was taking a nap. So what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks fine. It, it's good enough for our purposes. It gets so I the think, point across. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's all we're working with. Um, and so, and, and that's simple enough where we... You know, we don't have to don't have to have a thorough knowledge of every single doctrine in order to be able to answer a question. But if we have a firm grasp on these three in the middle, uh, justification, the, the original sin, and the means of grace, that is going to provide the tools at least to get a grasp on and to begin to answer or to discuss um, a lot of these questions as they come up. So down on people and potential, um, yeah, simplify, simplify it a little bit. Three major doctrines that apply among many options would be um, original sin and the means of grace and justification. 
Um, I think I have a little bit on this on this next slide. Yeah, about that. Um, original sin down on people and potential. Genesis. We have a few verses, especially from Genesis here. Uh, Genesis one verse twenty seven. God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that's from day six of creation. And then from Genesis 5, verse 3, it says, After the fall into sin and after Cain killed Abel, um, Adam lived 130 years, and he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his own image, and he named him Seth. And um, and the contrast there, the image um, in Genesis 1 versus Genesis 5. The image of God in Genesis 1 is that that people had their will and the ability to that they knew what God wanted and they had the ability to do it perfectly. Genesis 5, people don't have that ability anymore. Um, they, by nature, we don't even, can't even comprehend fully what God wants from us. Um, and we do not have the ability because we have lost that image of God. And Genesis 6, verse 5, um, just, you know, a sampling and, and hopefully... Um, hopefully we'll be able to go through most of this, most of this course without repeating any. I don't want to just, just fall back on the same, you know, half a dozen scripture passages. Um, Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth and that all the thoughts and plans they formed in their hearts were only evil every day. And he repeats that after the flood. Um, and after the flood, you know, when all the world was destroyed and Noah and his family of believers were the, were the only people left on the earth. And God says the same thing. And so what was true of everybody before the flood is also true of even the believers after the flood, that there's this inward inclination uh, toward evil. Um, another, another one from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Verses 1 through 5. Um, normally when we get to uh, chapter 2, normally when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we're looking at you know verses 8 and 9 or 8, 9, and 10. Um, but verses 1 through 5, he has a number of ways where he says, you know, people don't have potential. Um, Paul writes, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked when you followed the ways of this present world. You were following the ruler of the domain of the air, the spirit now at work in the people who disobey. Formerly, we all lived among them in the passions of our sinful flesh, as we carried out the desires of the sinful flesh and its thoughts. Like all the others, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. But God, because he is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. So... There's a couple of different ways here, probably three or four. Um, I think I counted three, which probably means there's at least one more um, ways that Paul talks about natural people. That is um, people, what we are like by nature. And you see this um, in verse one as the first example, Ephesians two, verse one, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, talking to, talking to believers. And he says, this is what you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And it's not the princess bride here, folks. <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, he's mostly dead, which means he's kind of alive. Good luck storming the castle. It's, um, dead means dead. And 
Uh, oh, verse 2, you're following the, do the ruler of the domain of the air, which is another way of saying the devil. Um, that even that before, before coming to faith, you were following the devil. Ooh. Um, verse three, we lived among them in the passions of our sinful flesh, and we were by nature object, objects of God's wrath. Well, who is it that God destroys? He's holy and just. <laughs> so his destruction is reserved for those who are not holy and just. And, um, and that is what we were by nature. So it's, it's not a question of even a church being down on people's potential, but on God being honest about people's potential. But then verse four, I, I, I love this. Um, I call, refer to it as the divine, but, um, sometimes I think <laughs> that, yeah, it sounds a little weird. got to find a better way of putting that. But, um, I, there's this grammatical term we call it. I think it's an adversative, um, where Paul had been saying verses one through two and three, this is all the bad things, but verse four, but God, um, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. So I talk about, talk about who is it that is actually up on people <laughs> and thinks highly of them, um, for reasons that do not lie within us, but are reasons that are only in God's heart, his yeah. great love with which he loved us. Um, he made us alive even when we were dead. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I think we have um, probably two more, three more. Yeah, three more, two more, whatever. Uh, Romans 8, verses 5 through 7. Um, and this is this is one of those prime places that, that we look at for discussing original sin. Um, Paul says, to be sure, those who are in harmony with the sinful flesh think about things the way the sinful flesh does. And those in harmony with the spirit think about things the way the spirit does. Now the way the sinful flesh thinks results in death, but the way the spirit thinks results in life and peace. Oh, I'm gonna mind... put that... Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I said, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that one down and put that on my refrigerator. Definitely. That's a... <laughs> I had a uh, back I like back in... That's a good one. Yeah. Back in high school we had um we had a class on on the book of Romans and um and Pastor Wenzel, uh, his son is actually vicaring down in Finley right now, but Pastor Wenzel said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you an A on the class um, if you can recite all of Romans chapter 8. And uh, and one guy actually did, because uh, he had, you know, like 40 minutes on the bus each way, each day. And um, and so he did. I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot, uh, a lot worse ways to spend one's time, that's for sure. <laughs> all right so verse uh, yeah verses six and seven now the way the sinful flesh thinks results in death but the way the spirit thinks results in life and peace for as a result um of what he just said for the mindset of the sinful flesh is hostile to god since it does not submit to god's law and in fact it cannot those who are in the sinful flesh cannot please god so verses seven and eight we have two separate ideas uh, verse seven the mindset of the sinful flesh is hostile or hostility it's it's a noun there that it is hostility itself if you want to define what uh what hostility is or what it means to be an enemy just look at the sinful flesh um 
It doesn't submit to God's law, and it can't. And then he flips that around, verse 8. Um, those who live according to the sinful flesh, those who are in the sinful flesh as opposed to in the spirit, uh, a believer. So those who are in the sinful flesh cannot please God. There is no spiritual good in who we are by nature. Then that last one from 1 John, this is the one that, that Julie, you touched on uh, fairly early in the discussion. Um, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him but still walk in darkness, we are lying and do not put the truth into practice. But if we walk in the light, just as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the important part. If we are, you know, one of many, obviously. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So verses 8, eight through 10 um, John is, you know, pretty blunt and then he says, if you, if you think you're holy or if you think you've arrived at holiness or you think that you can redefine God's idea of law so that you are not a lawbreaker, then you're a liar. Whoa. <laughs> um, he'd probably, he'd probably have his, uh, his internet, you know, all of a sudden disappear. Right. Um, <laughs> He's, he's pretty blunt here, but he also says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Um, if we say we haven't sinned, we call, him out, we call him out as a liar. Wow. All right, so with all that kind of in the background, we've talked about understanding, you know, emotions and, uh, and definitions a little bit. We've talked about, you know, appreciating the question um, and finding the, the truth or the half-truth. And then, um, and we've touched on, you know, some of the doctrines that really apply. So then uh, that last part is, is talking about a confession of faith. Um, you know, one, one approach that, that might work with some people is taking it through to its logical conclusion. If what you say is true, then dealing with their misunderstanding of original sin, sin, you could say, hey, you're saying that there's hope for a perfect society. Um, dealing with their misunderstanding about the means of grace, if what you say is true, then people have the ability to bring themselves into a right relationship with God. Um, if what you say is true, then according to their misunderstanding of justification, then God's standard is something other than 100% righteousness. Do your best, God will do the rest. Which brings us to kind of our closing. I like to close with something that has a little bit more detail to it. And, um, and <laughs> the image on the screen is Bill Mayer, uh, Mayer, whatever, however you pronounce it. Mar. Mar. Bill Mar. There we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can tell the last time I've watched him on TV. <laughs> it's been a while. But, uh, but Bill Mar, um, he will, he will debate people and, um, and, 
sometimes he'll give them a somewhat fair hearing, but he's not very bashful about his opinion of Christianity. Uh, no, so he... at least, at least tonight, um, you know, he'll he'll be our poster boy. Uh, you're shoveling the last Ohio slush off your driveway. Your neighbor's out getting his mail. He happened to live next door to Bill Maher. And he pauses a moment. I watched that worship service online. Like you said, it was, it was nice, different, I guess. But it seems like your church talks a lot about guilt. And I had enough of that growing up. I want a place that can help me live up to my potential. I want a place that can challenge me. But your church seems kind of, I don't know, down on people. Guilty sinner and all that. I guess I'm not sure. It was cool, but made me pause. And assuming you want to stand out there and discuss with your with your neighbor or invite them in for a cup of coffee, um, how would the how could the conversation go? And where could we go from there? I challenge you. I think there's other ways. There's plenty of ways to challenge you in terms of continuing your study, learning more and more. Um, but in terms of getting to heaven, we're not we're not going to get there through our own potential and our own efforts. Excellent. But guilty but forgiven. So you know, you got to move on from that, you know, uh -huh. you may be guilty, but that's really not what we focus on. We focus on forgiven. Uh -huh. Yeah, definitely. That's good, Jack. Thanks. <laughs> Julie's like, call Jackie over, have her talk yeah. to my neighbor. <laughs> it's easy now. It's harder than. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think another way to go, um, you know, that, that statement, I had enough of that church guilt growing up. Um, and you, you see this in church in areas that have a reputation of being very churched. Like, um, you know, we, I used to be pastor in downtown Ottawa, Ontario, which is just across the river from Quebec. Um, and Quebec has this reputation of being very churched and, there are a lot of people who are dealing with guilt and maybe to, to be able to speak to that it seems like your church talks a lot about guilt and i had enough of that growing up um you know maybe maybe this is the place where you'll find joy in place of that guilt um or you'll find you know that that guilt has been taken away um or maybe that guilt is is saying that you don't believe what you're saying about your own potential that you're trying to reconcile your desire for potential and to live up to your potential or whatever the case may be, you're trying to reconcile that with this guilt that says you can't live up to your potential. And, you know, how do you silence that, that question or that voice of guilt? Um, not by trying to shout it out, but by confessing it and finding that Jesus took it away. And I guess the, the, the other one that might, that might kind of be an easy on-ramp, your church seems kind of down on people. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad that you told me that I wouldn't want that you to 
be left with that impression because of all places, I think our church would be the most up on people um, because we have God who is also a person, God who carried guilt for you and me. And, um, and why don't you come back next week so we can talk more about him and then maybe that'll help with the guilt a little bit. I don't know, a couple of different ways you could go with that and uh, to, to get the wheels rolling a little bit and test it out, try it out. All right, so that is going to wrap us up for tonight. Um, next time, we'll get into our second question. How can you believe in a seven-day creation? And probably our third question, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, do I? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah we'll talk about that um and i got i've got a fantastic quote there uh, i from, i yeah. you'll have to prove that one to me mm-hmm. i have a fantastic quote from from justin bieber um the modern day philosopher justin bieber who said <laughs> <laughs> who said um going to church doesn't make you a christian just as much as going to taco bell makes you a taco I heard that one before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that next week um, when we get to question number three. So new questions, welcome. Just wrapping up tonight. Um, all the questions that we'll consider have been submitted by congregation members or podcast listeners. A special shout out to those who are listening, um, especially I think tonight's question was from a listener down in Texas. And um and if you have any further questions, you can email them to me and we'll put the best construction on it and have a discussion about it. So that is going to wrap us up.